Intervention. is one of the toughest shows I've had to do, not because of the fact that the matchups are difficult or anything like that, but it's because I want to believe in, in Josh Allen so bad for this Monday night show. Bentley? Hey, Bentley, I'm doing a live show, bro. Can you cut it out? Thanks, man. Anyways, this is something as to where, like, I want Josh Allen to do well so bad, and I believe that he can do extremely well for this Monday night matchup, but I really don't want him to. I'm facing him in the championship, and... Yeah, it's it's going to be painful to see both sides of this. I mean, sitting there looking at this matchup for the Monday night game, the Bills and the Patriots, this is something as to where I think that it's going to be run heavy to an extent, but the Patriots are going to switch things up with the way that they line up, which we're going to go into here in a second. Uh, meanwhile, it's something where the, the Patriots really can't pass. So it's going to be a very slow moving game for the most part, and it's kind of going to be dragged out to an extent. But if I'm sitting there looking at it, the first thing I want to check out, of course, is the injury report. And the injuries for the Patriots all season have been an absolute nightmare. I mean, I'm talking about absolute freaking nightmare. They have 20 guys on the injury report for this week. 20 guys. And they, they do this shit like every week. You know, they sit there and they don't, they don't want people to actually know. They don't want the other teams to know who's going to be playing, who's not going to be playing. And I get it because I'm sitting here and I'm like, man, if I go through all these players and I sit there and figure out who the replacements are, you know, I figure out what the repercussions of them missing time. I mean, this would take me close to 10 hours to do worth of research. And yeah, it, I can't do that. I can't do that. So I try to tune into what the beat reporters are saying, you know, who's actually play, who's not. And honestly, I don't think there are too many guys that are going to be inactive in this. At least guys that would make an impact. You know, sitting there and looking at it overall, it, it might affect the way that the Bills are able to run the ball like I brought up. Outside of that, it's, it's pretty obvious where I want to attack this game. Makes sense. All this trickery and stuff is just going to drive me absolutely insane. But yeah, I, last week they had almost this very similar injury report and only two guys were ruled out there were game time decisions, one being Damian Harris. So I'll obviously cover that one. But the second thing that I look up is the weather report and the weather should absolutely be gorgeous tonight. 40 degrees, as Mike Fiala would say, it's going to be beautiful, but I want to know where I want to attack in this DFS. So I had to sit there and really dive into, I guess, this DFS matchup and the way that the Patriots have been handling, you know, their players. So let's go ahead and dive into the show, guys. Welcome on into fantasy intervention. Like I was talking about earlier, I really want to sit there and attack this Josh Allen type stack. I, I understand that the way they produced last time was obviously, you know, through there. And it's something as I mean, on the ground, excuse me. And this is something as to where like I could, Definitely see that happening again. But Gilmore landing on, on IR, which, by the way, he was still out last time. Gilmore landing on IR is still a huge blow to the secondary that was just kind of getting comfortable again. And it's something as to where, like, it's still, with Gilmore being out the last time, it didn't help out all that much. It's still going to be a little bit different situation because of the aspect from the linebacker position. Uh, just sitting here and looking at it, the main reason why the Patriots' struggles have been so significant 
when it comes to the run game is because of the fact that they've been out of their linebackers, right? Their defensive tackles, defensive ends have been hurt. So as I look at it and seeing that they're probably not going to run as many safeties as they did the past time and more linebackers, I think this could actually open up some opportunities for Josh Allen to get targets downfield. So I'm expecting a little bit more nickel versus dime with Shaquille Calhoun being in at linebacker, which means that the safety coverage is now going to help out over the top instead of inside the box. So this is something as to where like their linebackers, right? And their inability to load the box has definitely been a hindrance to stopping the run, but it's not going to completely fix things. So with the Patriots and the amount of yards that they allow on the ground, this should set up phenomenally for the play action fake and for some of these wild cards. Now, the first one I want to look at, and, and I did all this research, obviously, earlier today. This could end up skewing, you know, the whole situation. But John Brown, if he was actually going to play, it's probably out by now. If he's actually activated by four o'clock today or right now, then he can actually play tonight, which ends up opening a, an entire, an entire, I guess, just basket of different cases as to what could happen and sitting there looking at it like McCordy, yeah, McCordy shut him down last time, but he had help over top from safeties. Meanwhile, Diggs ate to an extent. Now, Josh Allen was not accurate in this game. Going back and looking at the interceptions, looking at the plays, Josh Allen should have had a lot more opportunities. But in this case, I think they're going to end up using Dix to stretch the field a little bit more like they have in the past. Meanwhile, John Brown can stretch the field, opening up opportunities underneath for both Cole Beasley and Dawson Knox. So on paper, this game should absolutely be a blowout, like hands down, just an absolute blowout. But I don't know if that's the case being Monday night with the division rivalry and of course a Bill Belichick coach team. So like I said, I don't want Josh Allen to do well because I'm playing him in a championship, but I think this is a week where Josh Allen is still going to have to throw and they cannot just rely on the run purely. So I'm going to be sitting there and I'm going to be looking at, you know, Diggs as a guy that I must start. Like I have to start Diggs, And I think that makes a lot of sense for most people but I don't think that everybody realizes the opportunity that he has. You know, we talk about Stefan Gilmore being out just like he was in week eight and guess what? Stefan Gilmore, man, he absolutely, uh, absolutely matters to this team. They can't sit there and they cannot go man on one side and then bracket coverage on the other side. Because I mean, honestly, like JC Jackson, I love this guy. I think he's a great talent, but he allows some big plays and he bites on double moves big time. Stefan Diggs is really good at that. And he proved it back in week eight. So with that being said, this is something as to where I could see Stefan Diggs coming in, hauling in two touchdowns this week on two deep targets up against JC Jackson, who, like I said, struggles. Now, if they end up putting two safeties back there, right, that's where the strong safety and the free safety are going to play deep coverage while the corners play man to man. That's going to cause a little bit of an issue. But still, even even if that's the case with Stefan Diggs, he does enough underneath work as to where he can still he can still perform. I mean, let's see, for the past six games, right, he has hit his value. He's expensive. He's at like 11K, but he's hit his value in four of the past six games. And by the way, one of those games, right, if he would have got a touchdown, he would have absolutely smashed that. So if I'm sitting there and I'm looking at an opportunity to play, uh, you know, Stephon Diggs, I'm going to be doing it all over the board. I don't care about the safeties playing over top. I don't care about the fact of Josh Allen not playing as well the last time they played, but I mean, even last time, even though he did not play well, Diggs still was five for seven and like 84 yards, I believe, 
uh, up against JC Jackson. So I'm going to be sitting there. I'm going to be hammering Stefan Diggs, no matter what in this DFS, he will probably end up in close to 70 to 80% of my lineups. I love Stefan Diggs moving forward, but keep this in mind, right? When we sit there and we look at where the Patriots crowd close to the line of scrimmage, this could actually kind of hinder Dawson Knox and Cole Beasley this week. I mean, they love to, to sit there and press the line of scrimmage. Cole Beasley struggled significantly up against them back in, what was it? Yeah, week eight. So this could actually kind of open up an opportunity for John Brown if he's playing. Now, I am going to go through a spiel. I don't know if he's playing or not, but I'm going to go through a spiel real quick with John Brown. And the fact that he's only 2,800. Like, what are they doing over there, DraftKings? Why is John Brown 2,800? I mean, he's going to get McCourty one-on-one, and I love those chances for McCourty to completely fall on his face up against John Brown. Now, I know that he did shut down John, John Brown in the previous matchup, but he also had helped from the safeties over top. And, you know, part of the time, he wasn't even faced up against John Brown. So if John Brown does get this opportunity at 2,800, like, I have to smash John Brown in most of my lineups. Now, he is still a little bit risky, but I think he's a cheat code at the same time. He's completely boomer bust. Reminds me of lot, a lot of Tyreek Hill throughout 2018, 2019, where he produced 50% of the time. He has four games with over 13 points and four games with under nine. And if you take out those two middling games, he has three games with at least 17.9 fantasy points and three games with under 3.1. Like I said, he's essentially like a poor man's Tyreek Hill as to where, hey, if you play him, he could absolutely smash. And if you play him, he could absolutely leave you hanging. And, you know, for that measure, I think he's safe for some cash games, not a ton of them, but some cash games. But he's a, he's special for tournaments. He's absolutely special. I don't really care about his ownership because he's going to be a guy that's going to be in like 40 percent of my lineups in hopes that he smashes. And he could end up in a few of my captain spots. Because if he goes out there and he puts up 20 fantasy points at 2,800, you can still play all the studs from the top end. I mean, this is like a no-brainer for me in terms of, you know, setting my lineups and building around John Brown. Now, whether he's active or not, I'm still not aware. They should have announced it by now, but I don't have my, my stuff in front of me. So, yeah, it's something I swear I think that you have to lock in John Brown and see a lot of lineups. Now, a sketchier play, somebody that even if John Brown is out, God, it's super sketchy for me. I'm sitting there looking at Gabriel Davis. And Gabriel Davis, like, he's been very good and very bad to an extent, you know, over the past few weeks. But he is so touchdown dependent. Like, if John Brown is in, then Gabriel Davis will absolutely need a touchdown to produce. And if he's out, Gabriel Davis will still most likely need a touchdown in order to produce. I mean, sitting there and and looking at the fact that he has no more than five receptions in a game all season and no more than three receptions since week nine, even with John Brown out, that sketches me out, people. Like, that is not good. So my hope, actually, is that John Brown does play. They have an opportunity to see a little bit more forward wide receiver sets, which I don't think is going to happen the entire game, but he could end up seeing some more forward wide receiver sets. And Gabriel Davis's ownership will be slightly lower because he's the fourth receiver on the team at this point. So at his pricing, it'll actually make an intriguing tournament type play. I think that he could see less than 5% ownership as long as John Brown is active. Now, I'm not going to sit there and try and jam Gabriel Davis in every single one of my lineups. And honestly, if he is, if John Brown is not active, I don't see that changing very much. But I still think that he is a solid upside as where his ownership 
will be extremely low if John Brown does play. And I think that it still will offer you that touchdown type uh, upside. So I don't even mind. I'll play John Brown and Gabriel Davis together in the same lineup and Stefan Diggs. Cause that's how I'm, I think that's how much I think the bills could end up passing. Now, someone that I really want to attack because it's such a contrarian play is Dawson Knox, right? We're sitting there. We're looking at what three touchdowns over the past four games and at least four targets in all but one game over the past five. That's 15 targets over the past three, including four of those targets being in the red zone. So I'm sitting there looking at Dawson Knox as a potential like tournament breaker, right? Where he's not going to have a ton of ownership because you're going to see the Patriots are so good up against the tight end position. When in all reality, it's something as to where like Dawson Knox is used in a different way than most tight ends are. I mean, they almost use him as a, like a running back out of the backfield or a slot receiver as to where they, they have him running out routes. They have him running into the flats. Most tight ends, they attack the seams. They attack the middle of the field because they're a bigger, more physical target. Meanwhile, he's going to be on the outside. And with Josh Allen, what Josh Allen is good at is freezing these middle linebackers and even these outside linebackers and forcing them to hold their positions. Meanwhile, Josh Allen, you know, acts like he's going to scramble up the middle or run up the middle. And all of a sudden that linebacker has to come off of the tight end who's running in the flat. Meanwhile, <laughs> you know, you're sitting about, you're sitting there looking at, at Dawson Knox wide open in the end zone. So I do think that Dawson Knox could easily get in the end zone this week. And I think it's something as to where, like if he can get that, that linebacker and safety coverage, him being Josh Allen off of Dawson Knox, I think it's a smash play. It's something as to where it's going to be contrarian. He's relatively cheap and it's almost like a tournament breaker to an extent. I love it. Now, speaking about the way that slot receivers run routes and whatnot, I do want to bring up uh, Cole Beasley because Cole Beasley somebody that, man, he's expensive. He really hasn't hit that level that I want to see on like a regular basis, but it's like you almost have to play him, right? But the way that he's going to succeed is by beating these middle linebackers and beating these slot corners going up. And through the middle, pretty much using the seam like a tight end would. That's pretty much how the Bills run their offense. And I was going to have all the charts ready, but I'm kind of struggling to keep up because I did not have it ready. But anyways, the majority of his production over the past few weeks has actually came through the seam and coming right underneath where the safety is, where Stefan Diggs is running that out route or John Brown previously was running the out route. So he's been catching these passes right between where the safety lineup and the, and the, the linebackers. So this is almost exactly where I want to attack. The, the Patriots offense. So this could actually be a smash play for Cole Beasley, but keep in mind that he really has not hit that, that payout line, that line where, Hey, you got his worth. Now you can see multipliers after this. He hasn't done it all that much. He's pretty much sitting right there below where his payout line is on the season. And I mean, the Patriots overall, they've been okay. They've been okay up against the slot. So I'm sitting there, you know, looking at the way the Patriots crowd that line of scrimmage. And by the way, thanks to Mike Fiala once again for, you know, kind of giving me a little bit of insight on this. But this is something where Cole Beasley, like, I don't know if he's a lock, like even close to it this week. I think if he can perform, I think he could do okay, which makes more of a cash game play to an extent. But just be cautious when sitting there and dumping him in a ton of your lineups at his pricing, because he's going to make it very hard to play some of these other, you know, high upside type guys. Now, we talked about it earlier when it comes to the running back position. And ugh, this is something that's tough. Like this is something where I don't know if I want to sit there and attack the running backs as heavy. I mean, 
yeah, the last time they went off, both players got into the end zone. You know, Moss went over there. He had 20 yard, or 22 touchdowns on 80 yards. Meanwhile, Singletary had a touchdown on over 80 yards, right? So they both had over 80 yards and a touchdown. And Moss has been the lead back for the most part, but there's no guarantee he's going to produce. And with Singletary, like, you know, both of their upsides are extremely capped. Looking at Moss, he had a three-game stretch where he put up double-digit points. Outside of that, he only has one other game in week one where he had double-digit points. And his pricing is at 7,400, which is pretty much anticipating he's going to put up around 15 fantasy points. He's only averaged 7.6 fantasy points per game. Like, that's not good. Like, I want to buy in on him. I want to buy in on the matchup. But talking about having more linebackers into this defense and, and sitting there and looking at possibly a different lineup and Bill Belichick being able to take away different things when it comes to the defense, like, I don't love it. I know that he gave you 20 points last time, but it's important to not chase those points constantly. Now, if John Brown can, can get a, t- a couple deep balls, right, and they pull some of the safeties out of the box, Sure, it could open up some big-time opportunity for Moss. So I actually do like lineups where I'm going to be playing Josh Allen, where I'm going to be playing you know, John, uh, John Brown, and then I can throw in Moss for some you know, goal-line opportunities possibly or even some, some four- or five-yard runs because guess what, man? Like The Patriots allow some massive yards to the running back. But I don't want to sit there and chase last week's points and just throw Moss out there, throw Moss out there, throw Moss out there. Like I'd much rather, you know, spend my money on on some of these other guys in like the five thousand dollar range, the four thousand dollar range, and then I'm getting some of the more expensive dudes and spending seventy six hundred or I believe seventy four hundred on Zach Moss. So I like Moss. The the Patriots allow four point seven yards per carry and about five point five ish over the past three. But I do expect a little bit more nickel versus dime, so they might be able to slow that down a little bit. I just don't know the upside. Like I think it's a safe cash play, but I don't know the upside on this. He's not utilizing the red zone nearly enough to to get me really, you know, excited, like stoked on it. He's utilized a decent amount, but not like over the top. I think he has like ten red zone carries over the past three, which is good, but not enough at the goal line. I'm sitting there looking at at Moss as a 20 to 30 percent type lineup guy. And honestly, Singletary is in a little bit of a different spot, but I'm kind of looking at the same result. I mean, the Patriots have allowed the sixth most rushing yards per carry to the running back, but they've also allowed the ninth lowest explosive run rate. So in other words, they get gashed constantly. That's how the Patriots operate. They get gashed for these four, five, six yard runs on like a regular basis, but they don't really break. I mean, sitting there and looking at it, the last time they played, he had runs of 17 and 18 yards. So that's great. And he's also seventh in explosive plays, uh, explosive run rates, by the way. But sitting there and he's getting eight to 14 carries a game is going to make it tough to be like, dude, I need to go get this guy. Like he could have a breakaway run for a touchdown. I mean, sitting there and looking at it, the Patriots have allowed 10 touchdowns to the running back inside the red or yeah, 10 touchdowns so far this year. And they've all come inside the red zone. So for Devin Singletary to, to expect him to have a bunch of breakaway runs and really be, you know, a top end option, I think is kind of like a pipe dream to an extent. Now I'm still going to have him in a bonus or two, and I'm still going to, or captain spot or two, and I'm still going to have him in a lot of my lineups, but once again, don't overindulge. He's extremely expensive for what his average is, which isn't far off of Zach Moss. So the, the only hope for that I have for these guys and the reasons why I do want to have them in my lineups is not just from the performance of week eight, but also because of the fact that Zach Moss has 10 red zone carries over the past three games while Singletary has seven. So yeah, I'm sitting there looking at it like you're going to have to get in the end zone to, to return the value of over 7K uh, per player. It's, it's going to be tough to actually see that. 
Now, if we look at the other side of things, right, when it comes to the running back situation, <laughs> I have some people real quick in the comments. I'll go ahead and give them a shout out. Danielle, what's up? We were actually just talking about you the other day. She said, don't say that about Beasley. I still think that Beasley can perform. It's just going to be tough to sit there and see the, the upside for DFS purposes. So, you know, it's, it's something that's where I still think that Beasley could, to, could have a touchdown, could have five receptions for 50 yards. But I just don't know if we're going to see that, you know, 10 reception, 120-yard game that we've been seeing from Beasley on like a regular basis. And thank you, by the way, uh, Bendy, I guess, for letting me know that Brown is out. So that's going to make it extremely interesting for Gabriel Davis. Now, if we sit there and we look at, where was I? The running backs on the other side. We saw Harris put a whooping on them last, or on, yeah, last game, week eight, for 102 yards and a touchdown. Honestly, like they've struggled so far this season, them being the Bills, up against more scat back and quick hitters than they have like big time, you know, rushers like uh, Sonny Michelle, for example. But they still haven't allowed a single rushing back to get over 61 yards on the ground, I believe, since week, uh, what was it like week 10? So I'm sitting there looking at the opportunity for Harris if he does play, and I'm a little bit skeptical about it. I mean, he is expensive. He's up there at like 96 or something or 8,600, 8,400. That's what it was. He's up there at 8,400. So like, I'm sitting there and looking at like his upside from the games that he's played so far this season. Like he's limited. Like he is extremely limited upside wise. I mean, his best game was the 102 yard and touchdown game. So he put up 16 fantasy points and he's at 8,400. Like that would exceed like that price line, that payout line would exceed his best week yet. <laughs> and he's questionable. So sitting there and expecting like Damian Harris to, to return value on you. Like that's not good. The only way that I'm going to be playing Damian Harris is going to be in the lineups where I think it's going to be a low scoring game. And where I don't think that Josh Allen can hit his payout line. I don't think that Cam Newton can hit his payout line. I don't think Stefan Diggs can hit his payout line. I don't think that Cole Beasley can hit his payout line. Like you're sitting there looking at these top end options and, and thinking like, yeah, none of these guys are going to hit. So I need to at least get some points. This game is going to be a 10 to 13 game. And I don't see it being like that type of game. So unless Damian Harris comes out, just plays lights out beyond any game that he's done so far this season, which is possible, but the Bills have been a lot better on the ground as of late. I don't want to sit there and chase Damian Harris. I mean, the Bills outside of what last week up against Melvin Gordon, I don't even think they've allowed a touchdown like the past four or five games. So it's something as to where like, I'm not going to be chasing Damian Harris. I really don't want to chase Sonny Michelle either. I mean, he's sitting there at 7K and he had 16 uh, points back in like week three or something like that. But why do they have Sonny Michelle up at 7K? I mean, maybe the touchdowns allowed by the Bills, but like that's still bizarre to me. I don't know. I'll have him in one lineup, Sonny Michelle, just in case he does get some red zone touches. But I mean, Cam Newton doesn't hand the ball off in the red zone. It's pretty much just Cam Newton City, and, and I don't I just don't see how Sonny Michelle could do it. But as a dart throw, I guess at 7K, 7Ks normally aren't dart throws, but as pricing, it could be because it's gonna scare pretty much everybody off. I guess it could make sense. Meanwhile, the, the running back that I probably like the most, and this isn't even great, you know, and it's, it's widely dependent on whether, you know, Harris plays or not, but James White, right? I mean, he feels like the Gabriel Davis type if John Brown was going to play where, hey, it could work for him if he's in, it could create some opportunity for him. We talked about how the, the Bills actually struggle with more of like the scat backs. 
and you know the quick hitters. So James White could be that guy. Now, I expect New England to be down, so this actually opens up some opportunity in the passing game for James White, who, by the way, actually has had some weeks where he could pay off his, his value. But the Bills have allowed four games this season where receptions alone to the running back position accounted for double-digit fantasy points. Plus, they have one where they allowed 9.7 points receiving, uh, receiving points to him, 8.6, 7.2. So that's just the receiving side. If James White can get a few carries in there, you know, maybe get a touch in the red zone, maybe get a touchdown. Even if he gets 40 yards on the ground, that's just going to add on to the potential of him getting double-digit points in the air. So I actually do like James White at his value. And it's something where I think that James White is going to be safe, very safe in cash games, and he could be a tournament play. Now, do I think he's going to be a bonus type player? Probably not. I'm probably not going to put him in the captain, but I'm going to feel safe putting him in a good amount of my lineups. And I definitely don't think he's going to lose me money necessarily tonight, as long as Damian Harris does not play. If Harris plays, he's going to be quite a few or in a few less. But keep in mind, Damian Harris does not catch passes. Like, I think he has like two receptions or two targets, something like that, over the past uh, some odd weeks. So it's something as to where like White will still be okay. He'll be all right if Damian Harris doesn't play, but I like him a lot more if, if Harris does not play. This is such like a Rex Burkhead game for me. Like I wish Rex Burkhead was in cause I'd be playing Rex Burkhead everywhere. This is Rex Burkhead written all over it. And that's just, oh, it's depressing. It's depressing. I wish Rex Burkhead was in as for the passing attack for the New England Patriots. <laughs> oh man, this is not good. Newton's only hit 200 yards passing four times a season, only two times since week 10. He also hasn't attempted 20 or more passes more than twice since week 10. So the receivers have been terrible, but still like Cam Newton needs to move the ball. And whether that's going to be looking at Jacob Myers, Nikhil Harry, or the tight ends, James White, doesn't matter. Like he needs to move the ball this week. If he's going to be able to, Whoa, I have a kid yelling outside. Uh, it, it's still going to be dependent completely on you know whether or not uh, these these receivers can get yards up the catch, but you're going to want to produce up against the Bills uh, when it comes to passing in the air. So, looking at it, I really uh, think that that Tre'Davious White is going to have a massive impact on this game overall as to where Cam Newton's going to be targeting. We saw in Week Eight how. Um, or yeah, yeah, Cam Newton. We saw how week eight, Cam Newton did not target a receiver covered by Travis a single time. Myers went out wide like 25 times or so. And when Myers went out, out wide, we had Travis White actually slide over to the side that Myers was on. But whenever Myers went to the slot, Travis White just played his normal side. So this is something as to where Jacoby Myers didn't see a single target while covered by Travis White. Now Nikhil Harry's back. So this could make it extremely interesting as to whether White will actually come and follow Myers to the, or to the outside when he does go to the outside or whether he's going to stay on Nikhil Harry. I feel like it'd be kind of counterproductive to sit there and study Nikhil Harry the whole time and then go cover Myers. So I really don't think that he's going to shadow Myers when he goes to the outside. That could be a big opportunity for Myers. But either way, if he, even if he does go shadow, we still saw Myers have a decent game out of the slot when they, they played in Week 8. So... Looking at it outside of Hopkins and DK Metcalf, it's been slot guys who have beat the Bills like over and over and over again, uh, at least since they played the last time. So 
Myers being the leading receiver, right? He's coming off of seven receptions over 100 yards receiving last week. I really do think he could be the guy. And he's 200 cheaper than Moss while being only 200 more than Sonny Michelle. Like, Moss is far from a guarantee for me. And Mich- Michelle's a shot in the dark. Jacob Myers should be more expensive, especially after having the explosive week that he did this past week. But, I mean, he's probably one of the best values on the board. I believe he's 7,200. Like, that's, that's a steal for me. I think I'm going to lock Myers into a good amount of my lineups this week. He's the safest option on their offense. And he's seen at least five targets in all but one game since being the starter. I know he's only hit 72 value three times, 7,200 as a value three times. But I don't know where you really feel great attacking on this Patriots offense. Like you're like, oh man, that guy's definitely going to go off this week. It's, it's tough. So sitting here and looking at it, like I think that Jacoby Myers at 7,200 is probably the best and the safest option on this Patriots offense outside of, of Cam Newton himself. Cam Newton, by the way, is actually really cheap. I believe he's at 9K. So there's only sitting there and, and looking at this and, and dissecting it. There's only two players who are averaging more points than what their payout line is above the kickers. Josh Allen's one. Demir Bird is the other at 4K. And I know it doesn't sound sexy. I know it doesn't sound great. But Demir Bird is actually like strangely intriguing for me. He's averaging 8.8 points per game. So that's already getting over his pay line. Sitting there and, and looking at his output, a big reason as to why is the Houston game, but he still has five total games as to where he would hit over the 4K pay line so far this season. And sitting there and looking, if you take out the nasty game up against Baltimore a few weeks ago, four of the past six games, taking out that Baltimore game, he has over seven targets, four out of the six games, 39 total targets in these six games, 39. That's literally six and a half targets a game. Like that's sick for a wide receiver to get at 4K. Like that's, that's almost a bigger smash than John Brown would have been if he was actually active, but he's not. So sitting there and looking at it, man, I, it, he hasn't had a ton of receptions. And just because he's getting these targets doesn't always mean production. But he's still getting these deep targets. He's getting these high-value targets. I mean, Buffalo is, is more about explosive runs allowed than they are about explosive pass plays. But this is still something where you could see Leo, Levi Wallace one-on-one and actually have that big 40-yard pass for a touchdown. You know, maybe they run the hell out of the ball for the first two quarters of the game or two and a half quarters of the game or one and a half quarters of the game, I should say. And then right before the, you know, the, the halftime, if they're in the hurry-up situation, play action fake, hit Demir Bird deep. I know it's not a, a sexy play, but God, man, Demir Bird at 4K, he can make a lot of these lineups actually work for you. I like Demir Bird. I think he's a smash play. And I'm going to be playing him in a lot more lineups than I will like Sony Michelle and Zach Moss and Singletary. Well, probably about equal to Singletary and Moss, but still, I think it's a good play. I like it in games where you know that the, or, or you're designing your lineup around the Bills being up. So you're going to sit there and you're going to look at the bills being up. They're going to run the ball a ton. So you have Demir Bird in the back end. It also works for lineups where you're going run heavy for the Patriots. And you think that Demir Bird could just see a play action fake for a receiving touchdown. So that's something as to where I believe that Demir Bird is actually value at 4K. Now for the wide receiver side, I'm fading Oshevsky. I'm going to be fading to kill Harry. I might pay, play Harry in one lineup just to hope that he gets uh, you know, a touchdown matchup against Travis White, but Nikhil Harry has not been good, and he's really not playing too many snaps. 
Uh, Gunner, like I just brought up, he's not really even playing anymore. You know, he's playing on special teams and all, but you're really you're really taking a dart throw if you you know take a shot on Dunner. So, or Gunner, did I say Dunner? Gunner. Now, as for a dart throw that I really do like, this is something where Dalton King and Asiasi they're not getting targeted, but they're on the field and they're running routes. And I know that part of that has to do with play calling, but come on, like get them some design plays. And I was sitting there, I was talking to Mike about it because Mike's a big Patriots fan. So I took a lot of advice from him, uh, you know, actually right before I hopped on the show, that's who I was talking to. And, you know, he's given me a couple of different tips and, and updates on things that I was doing my research on. Cause I, I want to make sure I'm as accurate as possible, but he's sitting there saying like Dalton Keene has actually been very close to scoring multiple times. And as of late, he actually almost had a touchdown, but it missed his fingertips by like an inch or so. So he likes Dalton Keene's uh, potential upside and target quality more than he likes Asiasi. But from my research, they're both getting a lot of snaps, right? Like Asiasi's blocking a little bit more, but he is lining up wide. Like he's pretty much playing wide receiver on a few of these snaps because they need somebody that can go up and body and get these, these first downs. Now, Cam Newton it's not resulted in, in opportunities because Cam Newton's just not targeting them. But like I said, this could have to do with play calling. And there is no way that McDaniels can, you know, Josh McDaniels play caller can ignore the fact that they've allowed Hunter Henry, Noah Fant, Jordan Reed, all to have games, you know, three of the past four, three touchdowns allowed in the past four games. And out of those guys, I mean, Hunter Henry, an amazing game, Noah Fant, an amazing game. And Jordan Reed still had double digit fantasy points. You know, when we go back and we look at it, like, they actually had a brutal stretch up against tight ends right before they played in week eight, where they were allowing two touchdowns, one touchdown, two touchdowns, one touchdown, like up against multiple opponents. So I th- feel like they did drop a couple plays for Izzo, but Izzo's, you know, Izzo's whatever. Like he, he still had two receptions on three targets for like 24 yards or something. But yeah, I'm sitting there looking at it and Izzo actually had the most amount of targets or he tied for the most amount of targets so far in the season while playing up against the bills. So it's not out of the realm of possibility to sit there and get the rookies in involved in this game plan, you know, see what they have to offer. See if you need to go add another tight end in the off season, see if they can actually be a major piece of this offense. And I personally like Asiasi more. I like his ability to line up as a wide receiver and to possibly see the smaller, uh, Travian white, you know, this dude is like six, three, six, four, like 280 pounds. If he can body up on White or even Levi Wallace for all that, that matters. But if he can body up on one of these guys, Camden can just throw a fade just one time. Just hit him on a fade one time. I mean, you're talking about, you know, just an amazing, amazing dart throw that allow you to play some of these top-end guys. You know, they'll allow you to play your lineups with Josh Allen, you know, with Stephon Diggs, with Cole Beasley, and maybe even uh, – Cam Newton, I haven't put a lineup together yet, but that's something as to where they can make these lineups work. And I'm not saying play both in the same lineup or anything like that, but I would take shots on both these guys and I would take a decent amount of them. You know, I'm not saying just go throw them in one lineup. I'm talking about go throw them in like three or four lines a piece and just, you know, hope they hit. It's something where I, the, the bills are just susceptible to this position. And I don't know how Josh Daniels could be ignoring that. It, it's just crazy to me. So just as a recap, I think that, that Josh Allen's uh, obviously must play. Stefan Diggs is obviously must play. Cole Beasley has an opportunity to go off, but, you know, hinder your expectations for him this week. I don't think he's going to have that 120-yard, 10-catch type game. You know, if he actually beats them, he's going to have to get behind the linebackers and the safeties. I guess John Brown is out, so that eliminates him out of my lineups, which means that I'm going to be taking a few more shots on Gabriel Davis. But once again, hinder your expectations. I'm thinking like 10% of your lineups or so. 
should have Gabriel Davis. He's very touchdown dependent. As for the running backs, don't overinvest in Devin Singletary. Don't overinvest in Zach Moss. You don't want to chase these, these points because of the fact that they have not done it on a regular basis. Although Devin Singletary has done it more often than Zach Moss. On to the other side of things, I would love to play Henderson if he's in, but he's not a lock to, to be a top-end guy. As his best week did come up against the Bills, but it was only 102 yards and a touchdown. That's great and all. That, bit, that doesn't even hit your, your price line, your, your payout line for Damian Harris this week because he's so expensive. Could end up having a few breakaway runs, and I love that, so that's why I'm saying you still should play him, but don't overindulge in him. Sonny Michelle is a fade for me outside of one lineup as to where you're hoping that he gets a couple goal line carries. When we look at uh, James White, he's probably my favorite running back at his price. You know, I still don't love him overall, but it makes sense. The only player that is a lock for me on this team outside of maybe Cam Newton, and I wouldn't even call Jacoby Myers a lock, but Jacoby Myers is going to be in a decent amount of my lineups, probably close to 30 or 40%. Nikhil Harry is a complete fade. Demir Bird can make things really interesting. And my favorite dart throws on the entire slate are the tight ends. We talk about Asi Asi and Dalton Keene. Anyways, guys, that's going to wrap up this episode. I appreciate you guys for coming out and listening to our show today. It's been fun. It's been very fun. This is something as to where I need to, to make sure that when I'm building my lineups, for this matchup, I am telling an actual story for this. There's sometimes some sometimes where you can just throw things out, right? You can see what sticks, you can see what really hits, and this one I feel like needs to follow a storyline. This game is going to be either very one-sided, it's going to be a very low-scoring game, or you know maybe that the Patriots can grind uh, grind out some opportunities, and we could see some big plays happen when it comes to the Bills and the running game, the Patriots and the passing game. I'd need to sit there and tell myself a story for this thing to work out. Make sure you guys don't overindulge when you guys see the average points per game put up. Take a look at those and make sure you guys do take those into account when it comes to the payout line. And yeah, good luck tonight. If you guys want to check us out and actually get three of my lineups, we do patreon.com slash fantasy intervention. Once again, it's patreon.com slash fantasy intervention. It's two bucks a month. You guys get three of my lineups uh, throughout the week or I'm sorry, three of my lineups for each slate throughout the entire week. And we actually will be doing the playoffs as well. So if you guys are out of your, you know, your fantasy football leagues for season long, it is time to hop into some DFS. This is the perfect time where you guys can actually learn how to play throughout the playoffs and you guys can get my lineups. So we're going to be having a bunch of, of guest hosts on here. I'm really, really excited. Kira should be one of them. We have uh, fantasy pros and shows. And of course, of course, Rosalie Michaels will be making her appearance again. Maybe even Bo. We got to see what happens. Anyways, y'all, I appreciate you guys for tuning in. You guys can go find me over there at Fantasy Intervention or yeah, fantasyintervention.com, youtube.com slash fantasy intervention and FF underscore intervention on Twitter, along with join our circle underscore on Twitter as well. Thank you guys for tuning in and thank you guys. So let me intervene with your fantasy football. Bye. That's how you bang a podcast.